You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Justice is Served. I am your host, Chelsea Galicia. I am a freelance workers' compensation attorney, and I am excited to be joined today by two special guest hosts. First, we have Shaka Smith. Again, thank you for being here again. In case you didn't tune in last week and didn't know about his uh, fabulous history, he is from Miami, went to college at Princeton, Uh, law school in D.C. before moving out to L.A. a couple of years ago to pursue acting and fitness modeling. He's got some experience in the public defender's office and with healthcare and natural gas law. And also, please welcome Erica Dixon, a second-year law student from USC. She is born and raised here in the L.A. area, went to undergrad at the University of Pennsylvania, and has had some experience working in uh, HBO legal uh, for doing contracts. So thank you so much both for being here and I'm looking forward to your perspectives on today's show, which we will begin with the most covered story Mm -hmm. of the week by far is Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom. Uh, Lamar had a health crisis this last week. Uh, He ended up in a coma and Khloe Kardashian flew to be by his side. Some people thought this was another Kardashian publicity attention stunt, but the reality is is that Khloe is very important to Lamar's life and uh, medical decisions. This shocked a lot of people because we were all told that they were divorced. So, uh, Erica... Uh, how is it that Chloe is making decisions if both of them signed divorce papers? Right. Well, yeah, it's definitely a confusing issue for a lot of people out there. Um, well, no divorce is final until the judge signs off on the papers. And, you know, even though it's been two years and the divorce proceedings have gone on, both Chloe and Lamar did sign divorce papers back in July. But until the L.A. County Superior Court judge signs off on it, they are still technically married. Right. And when a couple is married, uh, each spouse has medical decision sort of rights and responsibilities for the other when that other spouse is incapacitated. So Chloe was the one who could make all the decisions about what was going to happen to him, who could visit him, lots of decisions like that. Now, a lot of people might be thinking, well, shoot, I have the craziest ex who would pull the plug on me in <laughs> 2.5 seconds. What the heck can I do? Shaka, how would you uh, advise somebody who is concerned that their ex would not have their best interest at heart in their medical decisions? Well, you can do one of two things. You can do an advanced directive or um, you can have a medical power of attorney. Um, an advanced directive is something like a living will where you specify under what circumstances um, what will take place. So whether or not you'll be taken off a ventilator or how far to go in saving your life should you not be able to um, make your own decisions. Um, Similarly, um, medical power of attorney would be someone that you want to just make all the decisions that you trust them, they know what you want, who you are, and kind of 
your line of thought when it comes to um, medical decisions. Or you could do a little bit of both, where you specify certain things in your living will, and then you have someone to make um, extraneous decisions that are outside of that will. Yeah. And this sounds kind of complicated, and it's definitely something that you know we should all pay attention to, but you don't have to actually have an attorney draft all this for you. There are websites and resources where you can do this yourself, and it is just as valid. But this kind of story definitely makes you think about handling some of this stuff in case you were to ever be in a similar crisis where somebody has to make the decision. And it can be really rough on family members when you don't take the time to do something like this because can you imagine if he hadn't turned a corner and Lamar wasn't getting better and he was still now a week later in a coma with organs failing and it's up to, um, well, let's just say the divorce had happened. Then the family would be generally infighting amongst themselves about how to handle this, what Lamar would have wanted, and uh, it's just a terrible situation for a family to be in and made worse by the fact that there's no direction from their family member about what they wanted to do if this situation ever tragically occurred. Yeah, and this is a result of the backlog of divorces, so there's no way you would anticipate the situation. You know, Lamar's relatively young, so... I don't think he ever thought that the backlog of divorce might lead to Chloe making decisions, even though it seems he's happy that she is. Um, So it's something to definitely consider, especially in California. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing, the only reason, as Erica said, that they're not divorced as of this moment is because the judge had not yet signed it. There's a huge backlog. And so it sort of, you know, sat on a judge's desk in a pile. Apparently, uh, they've decided to give their marriage another shot because just this morning uh, Khloe Kardashian had her lawyer Laura Wasser appear in court and withdraw the uh, divorce petition Lamar signed yesterday from his hospital bed that he wanted to uh, not go through with the divorce Uh, do you guys think that this is because of romantic reason they wanted to give their marriage another shot or is this more because Chloe's the best one to make his medical decisions, and the easiest way to make sure that she can continue to make those decisions is by snatching the divorce documents from the judge's pen before it has a chance to hit them. Right. Well, I, I don't think this is a, a romantic decision at all. I think it's definitely strategic in the sense that, you know, Chloe has been there to care for Lamar, and she has been that stable support, and I think this would be the most stable option rather than going to the family and deciding who has the rights and who doesn't. And the infighting, like you said before, can be a lot more stress than he needs at this moment. Yeah, yeah and then if Lamar were to do um, a living will or a medical power of attorney, maybe his mental capacity might be challenged in court right now. Absolutely. So this would be the easiest way. Yeah. All right. Fascinating. Moving on to another divorce-type story, Master P is in the middle of a nasty divorce from his wife. And as in all divorce cases where there's community property, uh, the assets are the probably the biggest issue in the divorce. And Masterpiece wife, Sonia Miller, thinks that her soon-to-be ex-husband is hiding some assets uh, through their son, Romeo. So she is now filing a lawsuit against her own son, Romeo, out of this fear that there are assets being hidden through their son. So uh, my first question is for Shaka, do you think 
that it makes that it's necessary for her to sue her son in order to find out if there's assets being hidden? Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of discovery that would be available to her um, from Master P's records and maybe even some of Romeo's, but I think a judge is less likely to be inclined to grant that discovery if they feel it's too far afield from um, the divorce proceedings. And so suing her son directly, she gets maybe a kind of a broader scope when it comes to discovery and the records she can get. Yeah. And so, Erica, what what kind of uh, allegations is she making about how, you know, she thinks that her ex-husband is hiding this money with Romeo and just what do you think about the chances that she's going to find out that he has been hiding money through their son? Well, on the last point, I think it's probably very likely that they'll find something has been hidden here. It's interesting. it's easy to hide assets that way. Very easy, very easy. And then you see him setting up a joint venture with his son, uh, the record label No Limit Forever, which is basically a mirror company to the one that he set up with his now estranged wife. And that's a very interesting strategic move. And you wonder why was that done and, and what was the real purpose of that in the sense that their marriage is going south and he might have anticipated this moment coming. Yeah, so I, I too, I agree that it's uh, not that uncommon for someone to try and and hide assets. This case hits kind of a little close to home with an issue with my own parents where I wouldn't be surprised if my father was doing the same to my mother. So uh, this is common, but what's not common is to sue your own child in order to figure out uh, what's going on. And so at first it kind of stumped me because in a divorce case, there are forensic accountants that are, you know, given uh, access to be able to look through the records of everything. But this is some really, really complicated stuff. Uh, In even more simple cases, uh, there's ways to manipulate, hide, move money. And I, I think that she probably has an idea, a pretty good idea, that if she went uh, for her son's finances, that she's going to find things. She did say, however, that she doesn't think her son is like a willing participant in any right. kind of deception or fraud. Uh, what do you think that was like for her as a mother to decide to sue her child? Yeah, I mean, I think that's got to be one of the most difficult decisions you make. Um, I think it helps that Romeo is um, an older child, so he can understand that this is a legal play rather than sort of an emotional, you know, he can still keep the bond with his mother if that's still available. Um, but but I think that his dealings are so complicated. Romeo himself is a business uh, corporation unto himself now. And so the easiest way to find out certain details of those assets would be to go after him. But hopefully, you know, in terms of a family decision, they can all... Yeah, this is rough because even though he's older, it is a little weird to be put in the middle Mm -hmm. of your parents' divorce and be sort of used uh, maybe by one as a shield and another one as a a, a place of where where fraud is is being perpetrated. It's got to be really kind of confusing because if, you know, Romeo's thinking, well, you know, maybe my dad's giving me all of this new responsibility and money to, to manage because I'm, I'm older, I'm coming up in the ranks, I'm responsible, and I can I do this. And so the way that it was explained to him why he's now being named uh, as, I don't know, uh, CEO, or he's being named now in positions where he, you know, wasn't when he was younger. Right. And he's thinking it's because maybe his father has a lot of faith in him and wants to uh, help him succeed and move up. Whereas his mom is thinking, no, actually, you're not all that, I don't know, great, ready, <laughs> right. responsible. This is all just a play. And so that could be really confusing to, um, 
I, I want to say a child, but he's not actually a child. I don't know. How old is he? What is he, 22? Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it can still be, I mean, I, I was also in my 20s when my parents divorced, and it can still be a little confusing as to, like, who is real and who is authentic and where have I been misled and all this. So uh, my sort of heart goes out to him yeah. from a shared experience, and I hope that they uh, move through this okay. But I do think, what, it's $168 million. So I think they'll all be fine. I think at the end of the day, they'll all be all right. Yeah, I mean, I was really, I was really surprised. I had no idea. Yeah, I had read something that their estate is, you know, up in the hundred and seventy million dollars. Where did all this money come from? Yeah, I mean, Master P built his own record label, had a lot of hits, and signed a lot of artists. So um, certainly, the the money is there. Yeah, Yeah, apparently. Okay. So here's another battle in court uh, simmering. An LAX employee is suing Halle Berry and her husband, Olivier Martinez, for an assault that occurred in the airport. Mm. So there was a video that that I saw that, you know, we've all seen it here. Uh, you can't see very clearly. But what you do see is the family, which is Olivier and Halle and... Uh, Hallie's daughter and then the couple's uh, young son making their way through the airport, you know, throngs of paparazzi all around, some airport security trying to push back the paparazzi. And then you see very vaguely this employee standing to the side. And Olivier has in his hands a car seat and sort of makes a 90-degree turn and does a shoving motion, which knocks down the LAX employee. It isn't very clear what the employee was was doing there, although some shots, angles make it look like he was taking pictures. Uh, but now he is suing. Uh, he's suing for uh, assault, battery, negligent, intentional, negligent, mm-hmm. intentional, I'm combining two claims mm-hmm. here. Uh, negligent uh, infliction of emotional distress. Did I miss anything? And intentional infliction of emotional distress. Oh, that one too. (laughs) I don't know. Extreme and outrageous conduct. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. I got my questions about this case. I think that if he was really injured, the easiest, fastest thing to do would be to file a workers' compensation claim. But next to that, you can and you can still uh, file this claim. But this looks a little funny to me. Shaka, do you think that any of these uh, charges, not charges actually, we, we'll talk about why there are no charges later, but any of these claims will stick? Well, I mean, the assault and battery, to me it looks like an assault and battery. Um, however, you do have this kind of crazy situation where is um, Olivier doing what was in the best interest of his children and their safety to get them through the airport in the condition that was created by the throng of paparazzi? Right, because we do have the... You know, anti-paparazzi law that might be at play here. Yeah, exactly. So um, whether or not the paparazzi created a dangerous condition, and Olivier was just reasonably responding that that to that condition, and this worker happened to be involved, is the question. Right. So, fine, an assault and battery. Pro- mm-hmm. I, I I can't see how the negligent infliction of emotional distress yeah. would fly. Mm-hmm. What do you think was behind that? I, I think you just want to allege every claim. You want to throw it at the wall and see what sticks. But, you know, with emotional distress, it's a high bar. You know, you have to be vomiting and can't sleep, and you can't even go outside because you're so embarrassed. And so yeah. I, I don't think this worker is going to win on those claims whatsoever. Right. And the intentional infliction re- requires that the conduct be, like, extreme and outrageous. Right. And I just don't think that, that 
meets that threshold at all. So, Erica, let's just say that he wins on the assault and battery. Do you think he's going to get the $5 million <laughs> that he is claiming? Well, I, I very much doubt that. Um, you know, most of these claims usually run 25000 to maybe 600000 at the very highest points. And you see this a lot with celebrities, especially at the airport. You saw it two years ago with Kanye West, and he assaulted a photographer um, and destroyed his camera. But there was property damage there. And you see it with Justin Bieber two years ago was also sued for his bodyguard assaulting somebody outside of his studio in Florida. Yeah. And most of these cases settle, but they usually settle probably within that amount. Um, the $5 million claim seems a little bit outrageous yeah. for this one. By a little, we mean a lot. <laughs> yeah, because if there are really you know damages, let's just say he was injured and he had to miss time from work, the fastest way to recover benefits for that is through a workers' compensation system. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, you know, in workers' comp, we don't have... Uh, uh, pain and suffering type things, but I don't think that he would get that in this claim against Olivier and Hallie. I also wonder why Hallie was named uh, because she had nothing to do with it except that she was there in the airport with them. I saw that in the uh, the claim, it said that she authorized him to act in such a way. I don't know how he would know that, where he would get that from? Uh, is there any way that Hallie herself is personally liable for what happened? I myself can't really see it unless she has some evidence of like a pattern that she's continually <laughs> authorized this kind of behavior. But how would I he don't. even know like yeah. that, you know, they have a marital agreement between them. <laughs> you know, you may strike anyone at any time. It just kind of seems ridiculous. And I, I do think that this was more motivated by embarrassment and perhaps an attorney was watching this video and was like, hey, I can kind of help this guy out if he wants to get vindicated. Uh, But yeah, I think this will be a small case that we are not going to hear much about. Most of these cases are settled and settled quietly where the sum is not released. But it would be fascinating if one of these went to trial. Yeah, and I think that was this. This was a settlement case. This is a case where he's going for a settlement. That's why he's going for so much money. He's trying to get a settlement. Yeah, definitely. And I think there is even less support to his claim because the L.A. Um, city attorney declined to prosecute any criminal charges. And yeah. that's a big thing here. You see that in other celebrity cases. They go after the criminal charges. Right. So why do we think didn't. that they didn't in this case? Well, I think that anti-paparazzi statute, um, I think the condition that was created wasn't of Olivier's own doing and that he was acting reasonably in that throng trying to get his children out of How is this situation different from like the Kanye situation where he did get charged? Well, in the Kanye situation, there were a lot of words exchanged by Kanye, a lot of negative words, and he also went towards his camera. He destroyed what alleged was thousands of dollars of equipment and kind of went after him in a malicious manner, they thought. Here, you know, he's walking through the airport with his two small children. They're trying to get home, and there's just a crazy environment. The attorney might have thought, you know, he might have had a right here. Yeah, I I agree that this was not a good case to expend taxpayer money (laughs) on pursuing. All right, so let's take now a word from our sponsors before we move on to a fascinating story I cannot wait to get to. But uh, we are still here helping out DraftKings. (laughs) Uh, So your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Chuck, are you still in on this? Yeah, absolutely. How's that going? Uh, Going well, going well. But he's still here, so maybe not well (laughs) enough. 
So you can put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com. It's America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. There's no season-long commitments. And if you've got an injured player, there's no problem because it's like a new season every week. You're never stuck with the same players. And also, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. So you could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Shock is still waiting. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. So hurry on over to DraftKings.com and use promo code BLACK for a free shot at the $1 million uh, Millionaire Maker event. So again, use BLACK at DraftKings.com. All right. Thank you, DraftKings, for your support of our show. And now, Fox News. One more reason for me to not be a fan. So there is a Fox News analyst named Wayne Simmons who is being arrested and charged with fraud for faking his history with the CIA. He claims that he did work with the CIA from like 1973 until 2000. He was granted high clearances based on these claims. He even got overseas government contracts. Um, I mean, just nuts. Now, his history is even more colorful. Before (laughs) this arrest, he's been arrested about a dozen times, 11 were for DUI, and he was arrested in 2007 for assault, and he's got firearm convictions. So these are the reasons why he's not out on bail right now. The magistrate, who is by all intents and purposes a a, a judge, has said that he poses a significant danger to the community. Uh, There's just, whoa, where to start with this? First of all, let's just talk about the the charges against him, Shaka. What are they, and you know what's going to happen if he's convicted of them? Well, yeah, it's misrepresenting a government agent to obtain clearances. And uh, the great part about it is, you know, he said he was in the CIA doing top secret missions. So any question invited <laughs> says, well, it's top secret. I can't talk about it. I mean, if you're going to make up some history, a history of eleven DUIs is outrageous enough that, like, yeah, you've got to cover it up by saying, I, I was in the CIA, that- that's why I've got 11 DUIs, <laughs> and I can't really tell you about it because it's all classified. Exactly. I mean, it, in, in some ways, it was almost a brilliant uh, brilliant ruse because all you have to do is really fool one person in a trusted position to then validate your claims. So he got in with Fox, and he was repeatedly uh, on the show making claims. Uh, I mean... For me, what I saw is that he was sharing things that served to scare people, mm-hmm. um, which is a very, very dangerous thing to do. I wish there was like a crime of lying with the intent to scare people, <laughs> um, because scaring the mass, you know, public uh, causes us to do things as groups, as a country that we wouldn't do if we weren't scared. You know, if we hadn't been, and this has nothing to do with him, but if we hadn't been frightened by the idea that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, 
the country would not have supported that. So it just goes to show the power that fear has. And when you have somebody like this who claims to be a a, a former CIA <laughs> operative with inside information and he knows about all these secret military camps that different groups have. I mean, it is fear-mongering at its finest. And Fox has tried to distance itself from Wayne Simmons saying, well, he didn't get paid by us, but he was a guest on our show. I don't really think that that matters to a viewer because as a viewer, I don't know if he's paid or not. You guys put him up there. I believe that he is who you're presenting him to be. So, Erica, do you think Fox is a victim in this or are they partly to blame? I mean, in this case, I would say that Fox is not necessarily a victim just because when you look at the gravity of what he's done here, you know, he... He faked 27 years of CIA experience. He was meeting with Pentagon officials. He had government contracts. You know, the federal government was duped here, and I think Fox News was duped as well. But after the fact, I think that there is a duty here to kind of go back and say that, you know, the things he said were not in any basis of any real employment with the government and things like that. We'll see. I did hear one uh, Fox anchor say something about this incident uh, uh, I'm not sure if there was a, an apology included, but is an apology enough? Should Fox do something? Do they need to do something to, I don't know, restore their faith with the American people? Or do you think maybe they never lost it? People don't really care about this. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it's important for them to at least kind of go through their telecast, for them to do an internal audit and see exactly what this guy spoke about and do their own fact-checking and then kind of give that to the public and let them know this was reliable or not reliable, this was true or not true. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I do feel Fox is a victim in this particular situation. I mean, the guy fooled the Pentagon, you know, he was meeting with Donald Rumsfeld. Um, So he did it at a very high level, but I think now the onus is on Fox to go back and show what was reliable from him or what was not reliable. I mean, can him. anything be reliable from <laughs> well, him? I would I, say no. Well, <laughs> some basic information, because oh, he did meet with Rumsfeld. He did walk. He did go to Guantanamo. He did, yeah. you know. Um, so it, it was such a high level that a lot of the information he did provide could be validated. Yeah. But you would want to know that it was coming from someone who had the level of experience he claimed to have. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it looks like Fox should do a huge, I don't know, mea culpa, but something <laughs> like... We've been duped, too, but let us tell you everything that he said and everything that we now have to question, because if the rules were reversed, they would go digging through, like, let's say, an MSNBC or, a, you know, a CNN uh, analyst who did the same thing and would bring every moment to light where this person had anything to do with uh, the panel, with the story being discussed, with the opinions made, and it, it would be a huge, massive, massive deal uh, if the tables were turned on, this was another sort of uh, rival network who was on the other side of the political aisle. Is this a, a political move by this guy? I mean, what what do you think would motivate him? Was he just diehard conservative that was trying to, I don't know, what, what, what might he try to accomplish by pulling something like this off? I mean, I think, I mean, and I also wonder if he was acting alone. Because there's a huge agenda that you can push if you get people afraid, push us into war. Billions of dollars have been made um, by people who benefit from the times that we are at war. So 
I have no evidence to substantiate the suspicion, but if you see what I did right there, I kind of pulled like a fox move, where I just kind of introduced a vague concept through a question, and now you might be scared, but, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I don't have any concrete evidence of this, but it's just a thought of mine. Anything about his motivations strike to you? Well, I typically think these are crimes of ego. You know, uh, it, he wants to be relevant. He wants to have some prominence and some importance. Um, quite frankly, it's hard to assess, though, his motivation because we don't know who he is. I don't know what he was right. doing from 73 <laughs> to 2000. So I don't know if he was in politics or out of politics or, you know, we have no idea. Right. All right. Uh, what do you think will happen to him? Well, you know, he faces a maximum sentence of 35 years, 20 for major fraud, 10 for wire fraud, and then 5 for making false statements to the government. Yeah, and so he's serious 62 yeah. years old, so he yeah, very, very well, you think, spend the rest of his life? Essentially getting a life, um, a, life, a life sentence. I don't think, I think a lot of the lies were on paper, so it's not just verbal communications, it's not just, we actually have him on paper writing down experience and submitting it to the government for clearances. So. Yeah, un freaking believable. <laughs> All right. And finally, did the NYPD jail someone for being young, black, and wearing a hoodie? Uh, a young gentleman, David Owens, seems to believe so. He was arrested about three years ago when he was on his way home from work. At about three in the morning, he was a stalker for Macy's. And while on the train, police stopped him and arrested him brought over some hysterical white woman who named him as the man who snatched her backpack. He was arrested. Judge set the bail at $3,500. He couldn't pay for it, and so he spent six weeks in jail only to have the charges dismissed for lack of evidence. The whole time, he said he was trying to tell the officers, I was at work. I have my time card right here. You can ask my supervisors, and he said he was ignored. So, Shaka, was this uh, a, a legal uh, arrest, and should he have been in jail this whole time? Well, uh, if somebody I, said, "Yeah, this is the guy who did it," well, we, we know you need probable cause, but at, at the scene, the police need to look at the reliability of the witness who said who was hysterical, had trouble standing up, and the guy had his time card. And he told them he had his time card, but they refused to listen to him. And that, I think, does not warrant probable cause. I think that's where the police really messed up here. And so if he wins, what do you think Erica Hill win? Well, he's going for a malicious prosecution case here, saying that he was um, unlawfully arrested and then detained, and then the charges were dismissed. And in the dismissal, you see the lack of probable cause. They said that no reasonable officer would have seen this witness and given her any credence here. And I think that he's likely to be successful in his claim. You know, the, off the arresting officer here was involved in another wrongful arrest claim that was settled with the city for $30,000. So I think he's looking at an amount similar to that. And now just, you know, I don't personally believe this, but I think there might be people thinking, well, listen, this guy was wearing a hoodie and there's a lot of criminals that wear hoodies and did doesn't he have any responsibility in not looking like a criminal what would you say to somebody who maybe thinks that he bears some responsibility for the way he presented himself 
Well, I, I kind of have two minds on the situation. I mean, does he have an obligation to remove his hoodie? Absolutely not. Should he be able to walk at any time of day or night with his hoodie on and not expect to be arrested or be treated um, in any disparate way by the police? Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to look at the reality of our world, and I think you have to govern for yourself wh what risks you are taking into account. Um, for instance, myself, a lot of times I will wear a backwards cap. If I'm driving at night, I take the cap off. Um, I've been stopped so many times before just because of the way I looked while driving, um, especially at nighttime. And so um, I've made that personal choice just to not spend a night in jail, to not have to deal with that. And so I, I think for him, in some ways, he's almost sort of like on the on the front lines of like changing that mindset because you cases like this start to change the mindset of what you have to look like or what you have to wear in order to be considered a, a lawful citizen. Yeah. So, Erica, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, definitely. I think um, profiling in this country has gotten out of hand, as you've seen, like these past cases and, you know, even regular people on the street every day. And it's it's sad to think that you can't go out in a hoodie or whatever you want to wear. We're in a free country. I think that should be allowed. Um, but I do understand what Stock is saying here in the sense that if you want to avoid that completely, it might be best to rethink of what you're wearing. Yeah, when I'm ready for the fight, then I'll wear the hoodie. And, you know, <laughs> there's just some days I'm not ready for the yeah, fight. I'll, I'll come bail you out. <laughs> Eric and I both. Yeah, All right. I want to thank my guest hosts so much, Shaka and Erica, for being here. And thank you for tuning in today on this week's episode of Justice is Served. We hope you will catch us right here, same place, next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. Producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew. We would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Views and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.